Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to the FIC Focus podcast, the Macro Matters edition. I'm Ira Jersey, the chief U.S. interest rate strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Today, we'll be talking about the currency markets and the outlook for the G10 FX markets around the world. With me is Audrey Child Freeman. She is our chief FX strategist. Audrey, thanks for coming back on Macro Matters. Thanks for inviting me, Ira. So we're doing one of the C's in FIC today. Talk to us about your core views. Like, how are you thinking about some of the currency pairs that you're um, uh, th- that you're analyzing? Okay, let, let's start on, on euro dollar. I think, you know, I like everybody else in the market. I, I have been taken by surprise by this uh, do- unexpected dollar pullback that we've had at the beginning of the year. And we all sitting down now and thinking, okay, was that just a short pullback? Do we go back to dollar strength? Or is that just uh, a correction that's coming earlier than expected? And we stick to the kind of softer dollar profile outlook. And I think to answer the question, you need to think about, you know, the drivers and what's been driving the dollar lower in the past few weeks um, and and what I'm, I'm seeing is that there's been a feeling of the markets being a little bit blasé about you know how hawkish the Fed will be I mean we certainly have had a very good dollar run last year on the back of expectation and adjustment to more hawkish uh, Federal Reserve prospects uh, and certainly when you compare it to other central bank and and ECB in particular and you know, that view has worked really nicely uh, we've seen as a result of that the dollar outperforming the euro and early this year it feels like it, well the price action is actually telling you well does it really matter anymore and and that's the tricky part and and I think at this point you, you kind of, uh, I think we need to wait and, and I would expect some consolidation in euro dollar in the next uh, few weeks or so. But I also feel that, the you know, on the euro side of the trade, the dynamics uh, uh, will be better for the euro in any case in the course of the year. I think we started the year with underwhelming expectations with regard to the ECB. Uh, and, and risk reward, you know, if anything, the, 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 the scope is that the ECB adjusts to slightly more hawkish uh, kind of, uh, of language and, and outlook. And I think all it would take is a very small adjustment for the market to move higher and catch up. And on top of that, uh, obviously, the growth momentum from the eurozone, which I actually expect to surprise to the upside this year. And I think that will help the euro. So how much of the recent dollar consolidates now, uh, but then the outlook is probably more promising for the euro. 
How much of the recent move do you think was more, you know, repositioning going into the new year as opposed to, you know, people, you know, basically people taking some profits in, in the long dollar kind of trade and and saying, OK, maybe we need to cut our positions by, you know, 25 or 50 percent just because, you know, we have made a lot now. So let's let's, uh, you know, go into the year and see what central banks are going to do. Let's see what the path of growth looks like. Um, before maybe reengaging in, in dollar longs, or, or or like you said, do you think that there is this more systemic shift toward maybe the the eurozone doing a little bit better than some people had anticipated? I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I certainly believe that the positioning uh, that we had at the very beginning of the year was favorable, or, or would would have conditioned. Uh, and probably exacerbated the move lower in the US dollar. I mean, we we have a, an index that we've created from CFTC, and that showed uh, that at the beginning of the, the year, the positioning was quite overstretched long dollar. But usually the positioning readjustment uh, happens at the end of the year. So I think that's why there was an element of surprise. You know, if we had seen that happening in December, I would have said, well, fine, this is to be expected. Uh, early January may be a little bit more surprising and maybe just, you know, uh, capturing the fact that this is still a very uncertain outlook with regard to a wide range of macro prospects, um, the inflation situation and what that what that means for monetary policy. This is the crucial uncertain at the moment. Um, and perhaps, yeah, you're right. I think the positioning element had some part to play in it. So let's talk about the maybe the dollar more broadly, and you can bring in maybe discussion about dollar yen or, or um, into this as well. But in an event, and, and this is something that's kind of a core view of ours, is you know the, if if the Federal Reserve does get a bit more hawkish, uh, then risk assets are likely to take it on the chin, right? So you have equities falling, you have credit spreads widening, you have people basically getting out of a lot of risk assets on the anticipation that the economy may slow significantly more than had they had anticipated in 23 and 24. You know, so so is there a flight to quality bid uh, away from the dollar and into maybe the yen, which has in recent years been a flight to quality currency, or do you think that the dollar might actually still benefit from that risk off as it sometimes does? And 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 if so, may, maybe there's another rotation there that you can talk about, like you know the, you know what what currencies I guess in that scenario uh, do better than others. I think it really depends on. How, how long and how much of a risk-off move we get. So, you know, if we get a, a couple of sessions where, you know, we've been so used to having the equity market going up, you know, in a one-way trade, more or less, uh, that uh, if you get two or three sessions of equity market weakness and we're all talking about risk-off, uh, yeah, I think the dollar will probably uh, do better in that scenario but i wouldn't i wouldn't expect a prolonged period of of risk of uh, market environment with equi you know significant equity downside which that would obviously uh, such a scenario would um, help the yen help the dollar uh, and the swiss franc uh, but i think what we're more likely to get is a taste of what's happening at the moment so a little bit of choppy some choppiness some, uh, you know, the market is nervous. It's a little bit more uncertain. Um, and, and yeah, let's see what the Fed says. And But it kind of feels to me that by the time we get to the Fed meeting next week, the market will probably be expecting so much hawkishness from the Fed 
that um, in the end, the, the, the impacts uh, would not be uh, perhaps as bad as what we all worried about uh, at the moment. But you probably have a stronger view on that than, than I do. But <laughs> that, that would be my incline uh, to expect probably, you know, choppiness ahead of, of that uh, Fed event and until the Fed starts to raise interest rates. And then as it happens, the market kind of um, kind of adjusting uh, accordingly. Uh, do, again, do, do, also, do you think do you think that the sorry. that the Federal Reserve so so another one of our core views is that the Federal Reserve will start to run off its balance sheet again much earlier than it did during the last cycle? Um, do, do you think that the the Fed's balance sheet adjustment might cause uh, FX traders to to adjust their their balance sheets a little bit, or or do you think that that's kind of a second order uh, effect that uh, on your markets? It actually depends on what it does to yield. Uh, so if you're telling me, you know, that will actually contain yields um, and, and that 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 means that the weaker dollar view can prevail. But if you say to me that's pushing yields much higher, uh, then it helps the you know dollar bulls coming back in charge, I suppose. But again, it also depends on what everybody else does. So, you know, we've talked about the Fed, but obviously, uh, if the ECB does the same and the ECB is also adjusting its its language and becoming a little bit more hawkish and you see the euro num- macro indicators getting better, the, the market will kind of do the job for the ECB uh, in terms of tightening monetary conditions. And I, I suspect that will help the euro. So euro dollar, we have kind of conflicting forces at the moment, which is why I think, you know, we've had a big move and now I'm saying, Okay, time to, to consolidate and perhaps think about other currencies if you want another, you know, another good run to the upside or to the downside. And obviously, one of these for me has been a currency I've been bullish on for a long time, and it's it's working nicely now. It's the Canadian dollar. Uh, so I, I just feel that the Canadian dollar has many uh, virtues that the dollar has, including the prospect for higher interest rates. Uh, so rate hike is feasible next next week uh, from the Bank of Canada, and and on the top of that we have continued support from commodity prices, a macro picture that's uh, supportive uh, in in Canada, and the rates that for the time for Canadian dollar rates at the moment on on the FX front um, that doesn't look. Uh, too expensive. So I think there'll be a view that, you know, we're not too late to join onto the Canadian dollar bullish view. And so is there any particular currency uh, currency against the Canadian dollar that you'd uh, prefer that trade as opposed to just uh, j- just U.S. CAD? Uh, so, for instance, so if you if you're comfortable with the risk context, uh, so if if you're happy with the view that, you know, what we're going to see is uh, a more choppy equity market context, context and not necessarily a bearish environment, not a risk-off move, then CAD Yen uh, and CAD Swiss are probably two very good picks because you play the risk-on environment and, and the bullish uh, view on, on the Canadian dollar. And then I also like to think in terms of um, commodity, intra-commodity currency plays. So the Canadian dollar, in my opinion, should do better versus the Australian dollar. I still feel that, you know, for, for the first half of the year, in, in any case, the, 
the Canadian, uh, the, the um, Australian uh, economy and the Asian economy are still dealing with COVID. There's still restriction coming in and out. And I just feel that uh, from, a, from a macro openness perspective and, and that will result in, in stronger economic activity, um, Canadian and, and North America uh, are ahead of, of Asia. And that should be uh, boding well with the view on, on downside for OZCAD. So let's mention a little bit about maybe some of the, you know, lesser currencies that you follow, you know, not, not away from the, the big guys. So, um, you know, any views on the Scandi currencies or, you know, maybe maybe some of the, the more liquid emerging market currencies versus either the dollar or euro and any, any significant, um, you know, bullish or bearish calls there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Norwegian krona. So if you buy into my view that um, you know the euro should overall do better this year, uh, then I think you know both the Norwegian krona and the Swedish krona. So the, the Norwegian krona, sorry, and the Swedish krona should benefit. I mean, those two currencies always uh, play as a high beta to the euro. So if the euro does well against the US dollar, those two currencies will do well. For Norway, you have the commodity uh, story that's helping for as long as we're seeing resilience in commodity prices um, that that will add on to the upside for for the for the krona. Uh, for the Swedish krona, I think you know it's uh, you think of in terms of uh, do you believe in, in well strong euro economy? That's good news for the Swedish economy and the currency tends to do well on the back of that. Then the RICS bank is because um, we know that uh, currencies are very much driven by central bank exit strategies at the moment. So the RICS bank, the RICS bank is lagging, but I think very much like for the ECB, there's so much, um, so little priced in in terms of expect expectation for the RICS bank uh, that risk reward probably could see uh, uh, the RICS banks surprising us and adjusting a little bit the language sooner than expected. Uh, so I, I, I would pick uh, those two um, Scandinavian currencies against the, the US dollar. So we're getting toward the end of our time here. Maybe a little bit of a discussion about the risks that you see um, out there in FX land these days. Like, is there any particular you know currency that you think is is particularly at risk? Maybe it's you know there's either way too much of a short base or way too much way too many people that seem to be long. That that maybe there might be a little um, you know a, a little bit too much you know momentum in one of these that that just can't be maintained over the course of the next couple of months sure i mean to be honest with you the, the way the dollar moved uh, at the beginning of the year and the sell-off we've seen the choppiness we've seen across all currencies really um makes me think that this is a good time to uh, have you hold on to your main views which i've just described to you so overall still a risk on context reopening trade exit strategies from central bank and we just discuss which currency should do well but i also feel that there's a strong element of uncertainty in particular with regard to the inflation story and the point that you made about you know if the perception is that the fed does too much and we got a big move 
in risk of move, inflation is higher, growth is losing momentum, uh, then I, I, I think you know it makes sense to hold on to long FX volatility trade. So historically, you know, FX vol in recent history has been very low, and you know, FX trader will tell you that it's a waste of time to try and go long FX vol. But sometimes, like as a hedge, I quite like the idea of you have your core views, but you don't completely fade the risk that I've just described. So what do you do? You can go long FX vol, uh, and FX volatility is quite cheap at current levels. And the other thing you could do is also be very diversified in your portfolio. So you know maybe have a stronger weight to the risk on play that I've just described. But also hold on to some yen and some Swiss franc just in case, um, you know, it actually the, the, the narrative becomes much more negative than what we were assuming. Uh, and then you mitigate your losses on, on some of the risk on play that you have. Great. Well, that was Audrey Child Freeman. She is our chief FX strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Audrey, thanks for coming back on the FIC Focus podcast, the Macro Matters edition. And now we turn back to uh, to this side of the Atlantic, where Angelo Manolatos will be joining us for our Fun Fed Fact segment. So, Angelo, as we record today on the 20th of uh, January, we're getting ready for the January FOMC meeting next week, as well as you and I will be doing our uh, primer for, um, for the refunding announcement, which will be the following Wednesday. So see how many treasuries are going to be issued. Um, you know, but one of the big things that we've been talking about uh, all year is the fact that the Federal Reserve may uh, start to run off its balance sheet much earlier than uh, than it did last time. Can you remind us what um, what what the Federal Reserve did last time that it started to unwind its balance sheet, um, and and then maybe how many securities it has available for, um, or how many securities are running off its balance sheet this year, starting in say May, which I think would be you know, probably the earliest that the Fed would start to uh, run off. Hey, Ira, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so looking back to the previous uh, balance sheet runoff, quantitative tightening experience, whatever uh, you'd like to call it, just passive uh, runoff of the uh, uh, the open market account, um, you saw the uh, Fed initially start off with caps of $6 billion a month for Treasury securities, and and this is October 2017, and four billion a month for agency mortgage-backed securities, and they increased in quarterly intervals over uh, 12 months to 30 billion, respectively, for treasuries, and 20 billion for agency mortgage-backed securities. But as you said, the size of the portfolio was much different back then. For instance, treasury securities were around. Uh, Two and a half trillion, and MBS were around 1.1.7, trillion. Right now, uh, Treasury securities are uh, over 5.5 trillion, while MBS are above 2.6 trillion. So we've done a so, lot. So of, really, so, uh, so that's interesting. So for Treasuries, we're saying that that it's basically over double, much more than double, but but not quite double for mortgages, right? So for for mortgages, it's more yep. more like fifty or sixty percent higher. So so that that's that's a little kind of interesting. And and of course, the mix of Treasuries right now is um, there's still mostly coupon Treasuries, where um, of of that five plus trillion dollars of Treasury holdings, only about three hundred billion are 
um, are T-bills, so which, which obviously roll off, can roll off very quickly. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, so we have to keep that in mind when, when we're talking about this. So as we prepare for runoff, was there any other uh, you know fun-fed facts that you wanted to share with us, Angela? Yeah. So uh, just the just the proclivity for the or the just the willingness of the Fed and the statements kind of are starting to mimic uh, similar to how they did in 2017, 2018 time period. And I think you you just brought up a very good point. And I want to remind our listeners that the Fed actually ran off its mortgage backed security portfolio right up until, um, you know, the coronavirus uh, pandemic started um impacting uh, our economy and uh, started uh, our country started to um, have uh, widespread shutdowns uh, versus treasury securities uh, stopped running off in July of 2019 when when the Fed uh, had done their insurance uh, interest rate cuts. So that is one reason why the uh, MBS portfolio has uh, was shrink a, a lot more than treasuries during that time period. Great. Well, thanks very much, Angelo. And thank you very much to uh, Audrey Child Freeman for joining us today. And thank you very much for listening. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to hit, please uh, reach out to us on the Bloomberg Terminal. Uh, this is, again, the FIC Focus Podcast, Macro Matters Edition. We'll be back after the Federal Reserve's January meeting to discuss a reaction to what the Federal Reserve says. And, you know, very small chance, but maybe they'll actually do something. Until next time, be well.